Good morning, everyone. I'm having a little difficulty seeing that clock, so if we're starting a minute or two early, I apologize for that. It is great to be home. It's always great to come home. Uh, Sister Glenna, Sister Nancy, and myself look forward to the week of study with all of you. Look forward to an opportunity to sit and talk with you and get updated on things. If we think of the hymn that we sang this morning, the last two lines of the first verse, What though all the world resist him, God will realize his plan. What though all of us resist him, God's plan will still come about. I'd like to start off this morning by just giving you a quick list of the uh, acknowledgments associated with the classes this week. You will hear quotes and uh, thoughts from all of these works. Titus uh, from the Christadelphian Study Service, Elpis Israel and Eureka from Brother John Thomas, The World's Redemption, Brother Thomas Williams, Life and Works of Thomas Williams, an 1885 Advocate article by Brother Williams, Visible Hand of God by Brother Robert Roberts, Divine Teachings by Brother John Lee, uh, The Hope Letter that is presently being published by our Brother Rodney and Sister Lydia Dodal, and a few thoughts from the Character Studies, uh, which is presented in Thompson's Bible Commentary, and all of the Uh, definitions that you hear this week will obviously be either from Young's or Strong's concordances. To open this morning, I'd like for you to all look at a few verses with me. Let's turn first to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In some of the classes this week, we're going to be looking at a lot of verses. Some of the classes, we won't be spending a lot of time looking up verses. But today's class, we are going to look at quite a few verses. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we'll start at verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee forth into the wilderness, led thee, led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep 
the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8, and uh, we'll start at uh, verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel, spread forth his hand toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above, on earth beneath, who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants, that do what? That walk before thee with all their heart. Let's look to First Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles 28, we'll start at verse 7. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at, the, as at this day. Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord and in the audience of our God, do what? Keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God that ye may possess, excuse me, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children for you forever. Turn to Hosea 14. Verse 9. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse one. <clears throat> Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Drop down to verse eleven. And that ye and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. And then finally, 3 John, and we'll read verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
when we think of our Creator, this is His thought toward you and me. He has no greater joy than to know that His children walk in His truth. I think Brother Robert possibly read this at the end of the presentation when he announced what we were going to study in class this week. But I'd like for you to look at that. God's plan and purpose is centered around His glory going forth through His people. Our walk in the truth must be centered around this purpose. If we really absorb the verses that we've just looked at from God's Word, if we really absorbed what that tells us, your teacher for this period could sit down right now. You know, my class would be over for the, for the week. But, but hopefully we can build on these thoughts this morning and the following five classes that we're going to look at. I don't know, I know some of you over there cannot see that. I'll read it for you. Success is not an accident. It is the inevitable consequence of right thinking and right actions. That's not a definition of success from Scripture per se. It's a definition of success from a gentleman by the name of Tommy Newberry. But fellow students, if we think about that definition of success as it lends itself to our walk in the truth, I think we can really gain from that definition of success. The word inevitable means unable to be avoided. The word consequence means result or outcome. So what you and I need to know and remember is that we will not be successful in our walk to glorify our Creator's name unless we first have the right thinking and then put that thinking into action. Okay, I want the audience to quote it with me. Success is not an accident. It is the inevitable consequence of right thinking and right action. Thanks. Now I'd like for you to quote one other verse with me, and I know everybody in this room knows this verse. Let's quote uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hopefully that's what we will attempt to do this week in our walk class. If you will, let's get class started, and you thought I'd already started. Let's, let's, start, let's start in Genesis chapter 6. 
Our first class this week, and I think you re- remember from the outline, we're going to address the walk aspect of our uh, Bible school in this manner. We're going to look at six different approaches to we walk because of what? Why do we walk? Obviously, we could summarize that by the thought that we've already presented. We walk to glorify Yahweh's name. That that really summarizes it in a, a nutshell. But uh, I think if we look at it in a little different uh, manner this week, maybe it'll help us remember that. Our first class we'll deal with is our walk because we recognize that we are living in a time as it was in the days of Noah. Okay, uh, Genesis, you're already there and I'm not. Genesis 6. And just think of the situation here. We all know this for this chapter very well, but, but, but let, it, let us absorb it again. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. They took them wise of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Sound familiar? And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall thou make in the ark. And he goes on, of course, and gives the dimensions. Dropping down, verse 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them Alive with thee, they shall be male and female. 
of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the, every, of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee. And it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Just a couple of other references. Uh, Look over to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, uh, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And then finally uh, look to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, we'll start at verse 25. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of his generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Drop down uh, one more verse. And they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Fellow students, we know that through the scriptures, Jesus has indicated a couple of times that the time preceding his return to the earth would be as it was in the days of Noah. The chapter that we read from Genesis 6 indicates well what things are, are to be like just prior to Christ's return. For those of you that know me, you've probably heard me make this statement because every day as I see our world that we live in digress, not progress, but digress, uh, I, I say to myself, you know, I can't comprehend, obviously, how bad it got before God deemed it necessary to destroy the earth. <clears throat> I think, look at, if you will, with me to Second Peter for just a minute. Second Peter chapter 3. Some of these verses should help us kind of understand how it's, or kind of comprehend how it's going to be. Second Peter chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets 
and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Back in chapter 2 there, if you look, just look back to chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Upon the world of the ungodly. The word ungodly expresses the same thoughts that we read about back in Genesis chapter 6. And God saw that the wicked wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. When we compare the time of Noah with our present time, we see several similarities. The verses in chapter 6 of Genesis tell us what the human race at that time had become in order to tell us also of where we are today after several centuries. Likewise, since the flood, centuries have passed and once again mankind has fallen into an ungodly state of being. We know that prior to the flood, the people had been warned many times of their disobedience, of their ungodly ways. And we know that Noah, who did not subscribe to these ways, he tried to emphasize these warnings. Fellow students, we know that when we try and interest others in learning about the scriptures and what they offer, the difficulties which we face in today's world. Noah tried to show the people about what was to come by following the Lord's instructions to build the ark. Even though he was ridiculed, he was laughed at, and really performed something that could well have been uh, considered an absurd thing to do in the sight of others. But what does God's word in Hebrews 11.7 tell us? And I guess we should look at that. Hebrews 11.7. Many of you, I'm sure, can quote this for us. Hebrews 11.7 says, 
By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Moved with fear or respect. The godly respect of faith. We give a quote. It must be remembered, speaking of Noah, that he was surrounded by a mass of, of godless unbelievers who would come to see his work, attracted by curiosity, and remain to scoff at him. He would become a laughingstock. He must maintain his faith and toil on year after year at a task which seemed to indicate that he had completely lost his mind. End of quote. Brothers and sisters, just as Noah's actions were considered absurd, so are our actions and our walk as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sure most all of you in the audience have had this question. You mean you use part of your vacation to go to a church camp every year? And even though some of our friends uh, have, have these thoughts and possibly haven't expressed that, they may not come out and say it, we know from the way they look or from the way they act that these things are absurdities in their minds. When we think of those in the days of Noah who laughed, who scoffed, who ridiculed Noah's warnings, we can imagine how they must have felt after the rains started to come and kept coming, getting higher and higher. The water levels kept rising and forced them to rise higher and higher in order to escape the flood, which we know they were unable to do. There must have been weeping and gnashing of teeth, just as Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12, with the future, tell us, deals with, tells us of the judgment to come on earth. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just as Noah tried for so long to convince the people of the need for repentance, from their sinful ways and the necessity to walk according to God's ways, we have the same situation in our day and age. In trying to get others to turn to righteousness, we not only can see the same resistance with mere friends, family, so many times in just getting our loved ones, such as our children, our grandchildren, to accept God's way is a major undertaking. When Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so would it, 
so would the times preceding his return be similar. Exactly what did he mean? Hopefully, we would agree, our Savior knew that a complete worldwide indifference to his coming and the need for judgment and punishment and or punishment, as in the days of Noah, of another ungodly world would exist again before his coming. Although eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, in themselves may not be wrong, these things do indicate that the preoccupation with these normal daily matters, along with an exclusion of God and his requirements of us, are the things which will prevent mankind from coming to know God and his plan and purpose for this habitation. Unless you and I forget the way God destroyed the ungodly in the days of Noah, just as he will certainly do again when the world becomes so ungodly, the Lord, let us let the Lord lift us up. And he left us with a reminder. Look back to Genesis chapter 9. And we'll start at verse 11. I'm getting a ringing here. Am I talking too loud or... Okay. Genesis chapter 9. We'll start at verse 11. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall... All flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For perpetual generations, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. When we see a rainbow, we not only should remember the covenant made with Noah by God, but we should also stop and think about the events that led up to the flood and the destruction of those on the earth. We don't have a rainbow around all the time to keep us mindful of what once happened to the ungodly. The Lord expects you and me to remember and be conscious conscious of the punishment which is promised to sinners without a constant reminder. 
If he provided a visual warning constantly, we would never develop as individuals on our own. Working toward the reward of everlasting life. With a constant reminder, our walk to God's kingdom would become more of a rote, you might say, than one of having to constantly and daily remember God's word. We know that just as there was no peace on the earth in the days of Noah, likewise, peace on earth before Christ's return will not exist. Peace on earth can only exist when there is righteousness on earth. As we reflect on Noah, let us remember these facts. From Genesis 6, we saw he walked with God amidst evil surroundings. He was obedient when appointed to a hard task. He was remembered by God and delivered from death in Genesis 8. Hebrews 11, by faith, he worked out his own salvation. 2 Peter 2, he warned his neighbors of the impending judgment. Genesis 8 again, he built the first altar. In Genesis 9, he was blessed by God with an everlasting covenant. God, in his mercy, has given us the background and the examples of the things as they were in the days of Noah. As Noah and family were in the minority, so are we as followers of God's word. As we reflect on the days of Noah in this latter day, let each of us walk and prepare ourselves as faithful followers of God's commands, as Genesis 6.22 tells us, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. The gospel is a calling to each of us to its acceptance, to its obedience, to the commands of God, to serve his cause. To such there will be the grand and final message, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In trying to comprehend some of the aspects of just how it was in the days of Noah and how distasteful those who were considered wicked in that day were in the eyes of our Creator, We'd like to approach this thought from another angle. Uh, If you will, please turn with me to Psalm 34. You know, I'm sorry. I'm going to, after I've got you there, I'm going to ask you to move on. Uh, I'm looking at the clock there. 
Let's move on to Proverbs 10. It didn't take you too far from where you found. Let's go to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. In reading this verse, your teacher asks himself, why did the ver- why didn't the verse just read, but the wicked shall rot, instead of the name of the wicked shall rot? We had an excellent presentation last evening concerning names. The word name is used some 840 times in the Old Testament and over 190 times in our New Testament scriptures. So there's no question that deity intended that the thought of this word should be part of our understanding of his gospel message. In the Old Testament, it primarily comes from the word S-H-E-M, meaning renown. And in the New Testament, our word is from the word anoma, O-N-O-M-A. And we recognize the verse we often use in describing the gospel from Acts 8.12, that this word name is a central part of our definition of the gospel. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and and women. The cross references for the last part of Proverbs 10, verse 7 suggest to us that the name of the wicked will be forgotten quickly when they die. Blotted out completely. Exterminated or cut off completely. And if you care to, if some of you might be taking notes, you might look at Deuteronomy 9, 8, and 14. Uh, Moses, in trying to point out the rebellious uh, rebellions of Israel, says good points in those verses. Uh, the word destroy in our verse 14 is from the Hebrew word shemad, which is to exterminate. But I'd like to just move forward a little bit. <clears throat> And I'd like to do this with you for a minute. Let me see if I can't. uh, I'm trying to jump around here to... Let me let me um, let me go here. Um, I'd like to call out a few names, and when I call these names out, I'd like uh, we'll we'll go by the four sections there. If I can find this uh, note in my, I'm sorry. Let me 
I've lost my thought there on my uh, where I wanted to go with it. I know, I know where I want to go. I can't find it in my notes. Okay, I want to call out a few names that all of you know something about. I don't want you to think. When I call out the name, I want the first thought in your mind about that person to be what you tell me. Okay? No thought about the person. I just want you, the first thought that pops in your mind. The first section over here. Anybody, please please yell it out loud so everyone else can hear. Okay? Okay, here's her name. What's your first thought? Anyone in that section? Joseph. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Son. Son. Okay. How about in this section? Joseph. Ruler, I didn't, I'm still not hearing the first one. Faithful. Faithful, thank you. Okay, how about in the uh, the section? See, all of you get an advantage. You're thinking. See, you're supposed to be telling me what you first thought. Righteous. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sister oh. Charlie. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, this section? What was the first thought? Savior. Savior. Okay. Interesting. Okay, let's go again. We'll give this uh, side of the room uh, the chance this time. Adam. Sin. 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 First man. Okay, good, good, good. We're getting there. How about Ruth? Faithful, okay. Ruth? Loyal? Position, okay. Faithful, okay. Alright, how about um, Rahab? I didn't hear it. Rahab? Faithful? Repentance? Good. Harlot? Okay, alright. Let's try a couple more. How about David? Beloved king. King of Israel. King. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. After God's own heart. Good. Friend of God. Ruler. Good. Okay. I'm going to give you a non-scriptural name now. First thought. No fair thinking. First thought. Hitler. Evil. I, I heard evil and I heard something else. Killer. Okay. Okay. Cruel. Good. Wicked. Okay. That's good. Okay. Webster tells us, we're going to come back to why we did that. Okay. Just bear with me. I found my notes. We're in good shape. 
Webster tells us that the definition of the word name is as follows. The title by which any person or thing is known or designated. Reputed character or reputation. And one brother suggests that the name of a person or thing, according to the Hebrew style, frequently imports the quality or state thereof. The quality or state thereof. With an example from Ruth chapter 1 verse 20, where Naomi states, and she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, that is pleasant, but but call me Mara, that is better. For Jehovah hath dealt very bitterly with me. In our exercise, I called a name, and your answers described the individuals by giving a, for the most part, by giving a characteristic of the individual or telling us something about the reputation of that individual. Have you ever wondered what the first thought people have when your name is mentioned? Have you ever really wanted to know what your reputation was? (laughs) Seriously, we'll close class with this. More importantly, though, than that question is, do we really want to know what our reputation is with our Creator? Great. Did everybody hear Brother Roger? Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you are, what you really are. Thank you for your attention.